This is Hungry Gen Podcast, and I just want to thank you for joining us today. Here at HG, our vision is to see thousands saved locally and millions globally. We hope you enjoy this week's message. But I want to speak to you for the remaining few moments concerning the difference that the Holy Spirit makes. The Holy Spirit makes all the difference. If you're taking notes, write this down. The Holy Spirit makes all the difference. In the Old Testament, God placed Adam, the first human being, and Eve into his presence called Garden of Eden. But in the New Covenant, God places his presence, the Holy Spirit, within humanity 2.0. Us, born-again believers. God actually puts his presence inside of us. When he created humanity, he placed humanity within his presence. But when he saved us, he placed his presence within us. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is not an aura. He's not an attitude. He's not a mood. He's not an atmosphere. He is a person. But He is a person that you can experience. He is a person that you can, His power can be tangible. Where you can experience it on your own body. Where you can have certain things that happen to you because of that. And though we're not chasing experiences, but we also don't reject them. We don't follow experiences, we follow the Lord, but you cannot separate God of the Bible from His power. God is not a topic you study in the university. God is almighty. When I went to Tanzania a few years ago, you know, I studied about lions. I've, I've watched lions on movies and TVs and uh, seen pictures of lions, was always fascinated with lions. It's totally another when you face one, uh, when you look at one in the eyes. Right behind me, you see a video as well when actually one passes by your car the fear of God hits you so hard you start confessing your sin I mean it's a total different experience than the one you see in your room painted and you have a photo of it's one thing to study the Holy Spirit to read the Holy Spirit is totally another when he encounters you you can't explain it there is no words to explain it there is no Greek or Hebrew to explain what happens it's just you just have to experience it there's certain things you just have to experience it. And I want to challenge you today. Don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit, but nothing comes close to what can happen to your life when you encounter Him. And He's not available to pastors, preachers, and bishops only. He's available to every believer. Amen. Just like the air. Air does not discriminate. Everyone can take in. You can take in of the Holy Spirit. You can receive Him in Jesus' name. Amen. The verse I'm going to read today or the, the story of the scripture that I'm going to take is from the story of the ark in the Old Testament. In 1 Samuel chapter 5, we see that the ark of God and the ark of God is like a God box. It was just this box that God told Moses to make and then God said he will dwell actually on this, on this ark. And Moses made it and eventually Israel sinned against God and they decided to use an ark as like a good luck charm. They brought it to a battle that they didn't have a relationship with God, but they thought this will save them. They started to shout and the Philistines got intimidated. Nevertheless, Israel got conquered and Philistines conquered Israel and they actually conquered God box. Philistines bring this God box into the temple of their God and they placed it next to their God Dagon and they made a very bad mistake because though you can put God with other gods, all other gods have to bow to him. The next day, this God, he fell. And Philistines, you know, were like, okay, they helped their God. See, anytime you got to help your own God, it's not worth serving him. 
they helped their own God get on his feet he got on his feet and the next day so the first day their God Dagon fall the second day God <laughs> broke him to pieces so Dagon not only fell he got decapitated literally all of his body parts were broken and Philistines got the point like the God of Israel is not to be messed with and so they took quickly the ark out and they kept it in their land then plagues broke out tumors broke out and then they finally got rid of the ark of God and send it back if you're taking notes write down the first the first thing that I want to share with you is whatever the Holy Spirit breaks you are empowered to remove whatever the Holy Spirit breaks you are empowered to remove see just like Philistines all of us when we get saved we bring the Holy Spirit inside of our life but many of us we have different gods we have erected in our own heart it might not be Dagon it might be jealousy it might be witchcraft it might be generational curse of barrenness or poverty it could be different things that are erected in our life and when you bring the Holy Spirit inside by the virtue of his presence he doesn't remove the bad he defeats it which empowers you to remove it I want you to notice the ark broke Dagon it didn't remove Dagon it didn't take him out of the temple many Christians realize they don't realize this is when I come to Jesus Christ God forgives me of my sin he breaks the power of the sin but he gives me the power now to remove the presence of the sin to change my habits develop new relationships and to begin to fight back against every power that held me hostage the presence of God cannot be controlled. Philistines thought they can control the presence of God. God cannot be controlled. God is not a charm. God is not a vending machine. If you punch the numbers right, you get what you want. You don't get what you want with God. You either get God and He gets you or you get nothing. God is not your ex. God is not a machine you can get in and just do. God can't be figured out. He can only be trusted. He can lead you. The Bible says don't lean on your understanding but in everything trust in God. I want to encourage you today not to control God. Let Him lead you. God doesn't even control us. He gives us power to control ourselves. The other part that I want to mention in here is that God cannot cohabitate God would not cohabitate with other gods. Now he can, he just won't. Meaning you can temporarily put God together with astral projection. You can temporarily put God together with dream catchers. You can temporarily put God together with chants and daily tarot cards and angel destiny cards and spells and crystals and necromancy and charms and superstitions, Ouija boards and occult books and burning incense to cleanse the house from the bad spirits. You can put God together and that's what many people do. They add Jesus to whatever crap that they've been doing. And in the beginning, it's fine because I understand we don't know much truth. We're ignorant. It's fine. What I just want to let you know is that God will not stay in the place that will force him to cohabitate with other gods. Other gods will have to go down. And begin believers a lot of times they do that today what they do is they they get a lot of the witch talk they get a lot of the witchcraft and they like well and there is Jesus and everything else. God does not play well with other gods. He doesn't but it's okay when you start like that 
what I just want to let you know he will begin to defeat other gods he will defeat other problems in your life but he will ask you to clean the garbage meaning to remove the stuff my uh, I have a dog named Jacko Jacko is very jealous of anything that represents an animal Lana one time bought a, this thing called llama and I have to be careful to pronounce not Lana but llama llama so she bought llama and we brought llama into the house put it on the top of the refrigerator and when Jacko saw llama spirit of jealousy entered in he was jumping on that fridge every single day crying and yelling it got so bad that my when my wife went to Poland for two weeks Jacko was crying all the time so then I switched llama and then of course I irritated him more I took llama and I petted it. I said good boy good boy provoke that guy to jealousy so finally on one Thursday stream I decided to give Jacko to throw llama in the battle with Jacko and so I gave Jacko an opportunity to defend himself and this is exactly what came out of llama Jacko pretty much took that llama he usually just takes the eyes out of any fake animal and just leaves the animal. He usually just takes the eyes out so I guess they won't be able to see him or something. And so but with this animal, he tore it to pieces. He literally stood there almost like, I'm the God in this house. Nobody else beside me. You know, and it was, as I was reflecting on that, that is a totally not spiritual illustration. But as I was reflecting on that, honestly, anytime you would put something, put a llama in your life, you will provoke God to jealousy. All you have to do is give God access to it. <laughs> when Jesus entered the house of Zacchaeus, there was a lot of llamas there. There was a lot of gods there. Greed, lying, cheating. And this presence came in and God starts falling. Jealousy starts falling. Greed starts falling. And Zacchaeus says, Jesus didn't even say anything. The virtue of His presence caused other gods to be decapitated, caused other issues to fall flat before Jesus. And Zacchaeus says, Jesus, I will no longer lie. I will no longer cheat. I will no longer do that. But I want to challenge you. You can't defeat other gods without God. Let me say that again. You can't defeat other gods without God. You can't defeat jealousy without Jehovah. You can't defeat greed without God. You can't defeat nightmares without God. Nightmare paralysis, you can't defeat it without God. You can't defeat pornography without God. You have to bring God in if you want other gods to go down. So many people say, I will clean my temple first and then I'll come to God. It will be foolish to go to a barber after you had a haircut. It would be foolish to go through a car wash after you wash your car. My friend, God is not intimidated by your gods. He just says, when I come in and they go down, can you get them out? When I come in and they go down, can you get them out? Hey! You're like, but I can't get them out. Let's, let the preacher pray for you. Let the pastor pray for you. Let your husband pray for you. But get them out. You can get them out. I want to challenge you today. The presence of God can't be controlled. The presence of God won't cohabitate with other gods and the presence of God will conquer other gods. You can't fight your demons on your own. You gotta bring God in. But when you bring Him in, He will decapitate, He will defeat, He will destroy. But He will leave some job for you. Doug Jacko did. When he destroyed Lama, 
He left some work for us, which was the cleanup work. Deliverance defeats, but discipleship and discipline cleans up the temple. Listen, deliverance defeats, discipleship gets rid of the garbage. And that's why you can't lend everything with deliverance, but that's where everything starts. And you can come as you are, but I want to tell you, God will go to war and every God will suffer a head trauma. But after they are defeated, you have to begin to start renewing your mind and changing your habits. Can somebody say amen? Number two thing I want you to notice is the Holy Spirit will make no difference in someone who is indifferent to Him. The first mention of the ark we, that I highlighted is the one where Philistines took the ark in and they made him be with other gods. And God defeated those gods, but Philistines unfortunately got rid of God. They didn't get rid of gods, they got rid of the, uh, the God of Israel. And that's why I'm saying is that when God comes in, He begins to defeat and challenge His lies and sins. You don't get rid of God, you get rid of lies and sins. But the second thing I want you to notice is Philistines sent the ark back. The best they knew how. They got some cows, they put a cart, like a wheelbarrow, like a trailer, pretty much like a trailer, connected it to cows, put this God box on the cart because that's the best they knew. They didn't know that you don't put a God box on the cart. You have to put it on the, the priests of Levites and priests. And they put this on the cart and then the cows went back to Israel. There's a tragedy that happened. Somebody touched it, looked it, few people died. And then this guy, Levite, Abinadab, he takes the ark inside of his house. Now Josephus, who is the Jewish historian, he says that Abinadab was a Levite who was known for his righteousness and deemed appropriate keeper of the ark. For Samuel chapter 7 verses 1 and 2, it talks about this guy named Abinadab. And I want you to stay with me for just a second. I'll give you just a short little teaching. Abinadab had few sons. The oldest son was Eleazar. Eleazar. Eleazar, Eleazar. One of his sons was also Uzzah. For 20 years the ark lived in Abinadab's house. All of his sons were around the ark. They got used to it, took it for granted and became indifferent to it. In fact, for 20 years nothing happened in Abinadab's house because of the ark. Imagine the ark caused gods to fall in Philistines, but nothing is happening. We don't see one mention. We don't see nothing supernatural. We don't see nothing spiritual taking place. In fact, what we see is indifference. Because guess who puts the ark on the card 20 years later? Abinadab's children. Uzzah was one of them. Uzzah and the other brother of Uzzah was actually guiding the ark. Where did they get the idea that God box could be transported through a trailer? When God clearly stated in His Word, it should be transported through the shoulders of His servants. That tells me that Uzzah got so accustomed to nothing happening around God box, he honestly developed irreverence. Started as an indifference became irreverence which then cost him his life and when the oxen stumbled Uzzah without any caution thought goes in to help the ark that shows to us complete irreverence which was the result of 20 years 
of indifference. They had it in the house, like a microwave, like a fridge. You get used to it. You touch it, you clean it. No sacredness. It did nothing bad, nothing good. It was just there. It reminds me of a lot of Christians who have the Holy Spirit inside but don't have intimacy, reverence. And after a while, we develop indifference. And indifference does not mean we hate, reject. It just means that he is there, I'm here, he does nothing. He seems to be so quiet there for the past 20 years. He hasn't said anything. He hasn't done anything. He doesn't do anything. Is he even there? Maybe he died. Maybe it's just an idea that he's there. And we develop a diff indifference. There will be no difference in our life caused by the Spirit if we are indifferent to the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. Indifference to the Holy Spirit will lead to irreverence of the Holy Spirit. Every irreverence, lack of reverence, grieving, quenching does not start there. It starts with being indifferent. I really believe the greatest insult to the Holy Spirit is not your sin as much as your indifference. And when I say yours, I mean myself as well. It's to live your life as though He doesn't exist. Pray as though He doesn't live in you. Walk every day as though He is not real. Now we know He's real theologically. We know that in our doctrine. Same way that Uzzah knew that this is a God box. But the fact that there was a God inside there. There was a God's presence that was there. Uzzah completely disconnected these two ideas. And church, I want to draw everybody back. My desire is not to shame you. It's not to guilt you. But to stir up a slight appetite. That you will begin to become curious and fascinated by the God the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you and that you and I will repent from the sin of indifference, repent from the sin of irreverence and we will cultivate hunger, communion and longing for the person of the Holy Spirit. That you will not pray without talking to the Holy Spirit. That there will not be one day without thoughts, affections and attention given to the Holy Spirit. And as you begin to not be indifferent, He will begin to make a difference in your life. He will make a difference in your work. He will make a difference in your family. He will make a difference with your speech and with your attitude. He will make a difference in your finances. He will make a difference. You will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You will command demons and they will go. Because the Holy Spirit makes all the difference. Can the church say amen? Proximity to the Holy Spirit does not matter as much as your passion for the Holy Spirit. You know, Uzzah was a Levite, but it did not matter. Uzzah did not have a passion for the Holy Spirit. Being a Pentecostal doesn't mean much if you're not a passionate one. Being charismatic does not mean much if you're not burning. Speaking in tongues does not mean much if you don't love the Holy Spirit. You can get the gift of tongues. You can even have other gifts, but if you don't have the desire, if you don't have the delight and the passion, my friend, it won't matter much. 
And I want to encourage us today that just because we had past experiences with the Holy Spirit, it does not mean the Holy Spirit is committed to us if we're no longer chasing Him. The Holy Spirit is not committed to any denomination. He's not committed to any groups of people. He's only committed to those who chase Him. The moment people lose interest for Him, He moves on. And the person He begins to use next, He doesn't ask the person He used before for permission. I remember meeting with the president of the university this week and we were discussing how there are movements of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moved and they became controversial and then they became so sound and balanced but the Holy Spirit's moving is no longer there and we discussed even few movements and, and I was mentioning to him how the Holy Spirit does not look at your status. He does not look even at your education level. He doesn't look even at your past, where you've been, what you've done, what your driver's record. Because there are people among us here today who are like, Lord, thank you for not looking at my past. Thank you for not judging me based on my weaknesses and what I've done. Because what Holy Spirit is after is your passion, which will result in purity. God said to Saul, I found a man. And he said this, after my heart. Meaning this man is chasing me. This man is after me. And God's like, that man is what I'm going to use. That man I will pull back from the sheepfold and I will put him on a throne. My friend, if God will notice that you are after his heart, God will pull you out from where you are at and he will promote you. And he will give you a new measure of grace. He will give you a new measure of anointing. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything else shall be added. Early will I seek you, David says. I will long for you, David said. I want to stir your appetite today. Don't be an oozer. Don't be a person who's familiar with God. Don't be the person who's familiar with the Holy Spirit that you take Him for granted. Even when the word Holy Spirit is mentioned, something should stir inside of you. There has to be an emotion, an affection. Oh, they're talking about my friend. They're talking about the person that I love. They're talking about the person that lives inside of me. They're talking about the person that helps me in the dark night, in the valley of the shadow of death. They're talking about the person that brought healing to my body. They're talking about the Holy Spirit. If we live with indifference, it leads to irreverence. And irreverence always leads to death of intimacy. Uzzah touches and dies. Anytime our whole life is built on indifference and irreverence, there will be a death of intimacy. But I want to tell you today, God has brought you here to resurrect your intimacy with the Holy Spirit. My desire that after this message tomorrow morning, you will wake up earlier and spend time with the Holy Spirit. My desire is before you go to sleep tonight, that you will talk to the Holy Spirit. That you will recognize you have a God box inside of your spirit called the Holy Spirit. To treat it reverently. Not to be afraid, but to have reverence. And I'm finishing on this. The Holy Spirit will transform those who take Him in. Look at Philistines. Absolutely no regard, no understanding. God destroyed their gods, they got rid of him. Uzzah, 20 years of irreverence. Accustomed to it. Death of intimacy, touches it and dies. And there's a guy there. His name is Obed-Edom. He's actually a Gedite. He's from Philistine. He is not technically like an Israelite. He's not a Levite from what we see. He's Obed-Edom. When Uzzah dies, this would be a good moment to say, oh, no ark for my house. 
I was like, I'm not bringing guns. I have children. You know, like, I'm not bringing this. This thing can kill people. And Uzzah dies. Obed-Edom says, come over here. Let's take him in. He brings it into his house. And the Bible says in three months, God blesses Obed-Edom's house so much that David gets the rumor, Obed-Edom is blessed. In fact, let me read to you because it's, it's important to read this. So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gerite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gerite three months. And the Lord blessed. Somebody say blessed. Come on somebody say Lord bless me. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom. So he blessed him and all his household. Now it was told to King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all belong and all that belongs to him. Watch this, because of the ark of God. Because of the ark of God. Obed-Edom, the Gerite, gets so blessed by God that David gets a rumor that this ark killed Uzzah but blessed Obed-Edom because Uzzah was 20 years with it with no respect and honor. Obed-Edom was not a Levite, a Gittite but with a different heart. Three months in the Lord maybe, two weeks with God, does not know much but knows one thing, Holy Spirit good and I gotta love Him. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom because of the ark. God is ready to bless your family. God is ready to bless your marriage. God is ready to bless your life. But He says, I want you to have an attitude of gratitude and honor toward the Holy Spirit. He transforms Obed-Edom. This blessing was visible. This blessing was within few months. This blessing was because of the ark. And I love this because this blessing caused other people not to want Obed-Edom's blessing, but to want Obed-Edom's presence. This blessing produced a ministry, not materialism. Now I followed up with Chuck and few other people. It's very interesting because the moment, the moment David comes in and takes the ark back, he's like, man, I want this blessing. It's interesting to see this about Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom actually, it says that he becomes a gatekeeper in 1st Chronicles chapter 15 verse 18. It's like Obed-Edom, it says, I'm following wherever the ark went. I'm not staying where the blessing is. I'm staying where the blesser went. I'm attracted by the blesser. Therefore, I'll never be distracted by the blessing. I'm going where the ark went. I'm not staying what the, with, with what the ark has brought. He becomes the gatekeeper, like a watchman, like a security at the tabernacle. Then Obed-Edom becomes a musician, like a Levite. I get the question. He's a Gittite. How could Gittite become a Levite? Well, God will always churn somebody into somebody else who has the right heart. God will promote somebody into another place who has the right heart. Obed-Edom becomes the doorkeeper for the ark. So not only he's a gatekeeper, not only he's learning to play music, he's also a doorkeeper for the ark. Obed-Edom becomes a watchman for the south gate of the ark. 
and Obed-Edom and his sons, eight sons become leaders and are over the storehouse, meaning like over the, the banking, the what funds come in for the ark. I'm surprised. This guy literally chased the ark wherever the ark went and he says every available position what I can serve around the ark, count me in and then he says oh and I got eight children. They're all signed up to serve. See this is where you know you love the presence when you always serve around the presence. Real blessing caused by God doesn't cause you to be materialistic. It causes you to be ministry minded. If the blessing caused you to lose ministry and become materialistic, my friend, that's your blessing, not His. Because the blessing of God makes you want to do things for God. Like Obed-Edom, he went and started serving around the temple. I want to challenge you today. The blessing of God makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. But please understand, it's the blessing of God. It's not a blessing of your degree. It's not a blessing of your job. It's not a blessing of your position. And it's not a blessing of you marrying that person or having those kids. It's not a blessing of you living in that house or driving that car. It's a blessing that comes directly from Him. There is a blessing that comes from Him. But God gives us a short secret. He says, if you take me in, I'll transform you. Take my presence in. Host my presence host my spirit. I gave you the spirit. Treasure him, value him, host him, communicate with him, talk to him, let him lead you, let him guide you and God says and I'm gonna bless what concerns you. Now that blessing will look different for you than it is for me. It will look different for you than it will look for David but one thing is gonna be certain. People on the outside will look at your life and they will, say, they will not say, well look at how smart you are. They will say, look at how blessed you are and they will want not the blessing but your blesser. Because David did not say, I want the blessing of Obed-Edom. He says, I want the ark that Obed-Edom has. Unfortunately, there was only one, one ark. But today the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me can live inside of you. The Spirit that lives inside of you, I also can know that Spirit inside of me and every person can benefit from that Holy Spirit. Amen. I want you to rise. Don't be afraid of blessing. Because the blessing that comes from God doesn't distract us from God because it reinforces our attraction, our passion and compassion and affection for Jesus. I want to invite any person today who's in this room who have not made Jesus the Lord of their life. When you invite Jesus into your heart, Jesus brings the Holy Spirit and He gives you His new nature but most importantly He gives you that help on the inside. That is the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle you can experience in your life is when you have the Holy Spirit because you receive salvation of your sin. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to give an opportunity to anybody who's coming for the first time or maybe who has been coming and who have yet to give their life to Jesus. Maybe you've come to this service today. You're not right with God. I'm not asking a question today. Are you a Catholic? or you do, believe, do you believe God exists but I'm saying have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Maybe you're saying but Vlad you don't understand I'm too young I still want to live and party and then when I get old the problem is you don't know when that old will come and today is the day of salvation. Jesus is waiting for you today. He loves you so much that He died on a cross for you. Your sins are so big that it killed Him but He's so good He's willing to forgive you and not only forgive you and distance himself from you but actually draw you near and say I want to work with you I want to lead you 
and I want to prepare you for the new life that I have for you. If you're in this room or watching us online and you're saying, I need to get saved. I'm not there what I'm supposed to be with God. I need to have this Holy Spirit that you're talking about. When I count to three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. It's going to be a bold thing, but this is you saying, God, I need help. God, I need to be saved. Those of you online, you can drop in the chat and say, I want to be saved. One, two, three. If you want to be saved, if you want to give your life to the Lord, just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Don't do it because your friend is doing it. Don't do it because somebody else. But if it's in your heart, you're like, I want to do that. Just raise your hand. Some of you came today for a family member to be baptized. But you actually don't know, God brought you here. And He's been waiting for this for a very long time. And He wants to bring you to Himself. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm going to ask you to do the second step. And this one is harder. But you can do it. I want, if you raise your hand, I want you to come forward and meet me right here. Yep. Come forward. Come with your friend. It's fine. Yeah, come, come with your friend. Come, uh, don't come alone. If you brought a friend, come on. Is this your brother? Jen Are you brother? Hey, come on. Is this another brother? Okay. Any more brothers? That's it? Just two? Okay, yeah. Oh, you guys probably have been on that sheet over there for a very long time. Yeah. She's been praying for you guys. This is your friend? Okay, awesome. Hello. Hello. Okay. Anybody else? Anybody else today who, who has come and you're like, man, I need to make that step to give my life to God. Come on. Come on out. Don't be afraid. The Lord is waiting for you and He wants to forgive you of your sin. He wants to give you a brand new life. If you're watching us online, I want you to get ready to, for prayer. And those of you guys who are here, let's pray together. Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of all my sin and wash me with your blood. I surrender my whole life to you and from this day forward I promise to follow you. I believe you are the Son of God who died on a cross for a sinner like me. Fill me with your Spirit. Give me new life and lead me from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. My wife is going to see you just for a moment. Just, just follow Jen. Amen. Come on church. You can do better than that. Give the round of applause. Those of you online, go to hungrygen.com forward slash VIP and let us know if you prayed that prayer. Church, upon this, our service has come to an end. We want to remind you, marriage class starts on Tuesday. Prayers every day. We have Monday through Friday, but Wednesday is the church corporate prayer. Tonight, the service is at 6. Doors open at 5.30. You're welcome to come on out. Better is not good enough. The best is yet to come. Greet somebody. Don't just, don't just walk back home, but just greet somebody. Meet new people, especially those of you who are members of Hungry Gen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you are blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe and send it to someone. And don't forget, you can always share it on your social stories. Stay connected with us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. For more information on internship, prayer line, conferences, and other resources, go to HungryGen.com. Remember, better is not good enough. The best is yet to come.